Well, Sweet. welcome everybody to episode 48 of the Blah Foul podcast. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker, and we want to wish everybody a, a belated Merry Christmas and, and Happy New Year. Hope, hopefully the New Year's starting out well for everybody. And um, we wanted to kind of do a, a bit of a recap episode from the year. We, we thought it'd be fun to kind of revisit some of the cars and, and issues we've talked about throughout this year and, and kind of touch on some of our favorite and not so favorite things. Um, so the first uh, topic we thought would be kind of fun to to reminisce about is our most exciting car experience of the year. So I haven't seen what Tucker has picked out. Tucker hasn't seen what I've picked out. So we'll kind of get our real-time reactions to some of these things. Yeah. So this could be a trip. It could be a specific drive, you know, mm-hmm. whatever kind of car-related experience. Um, so for you, what what was your kind of most exciting car event of the year? I think it, you know, it's kind of easy just because it's it was a fun thing, and uh, you know, I'm not probably going to repeat it every year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, our uh, trip headed out to LA, yeah, um, to look at the 2002 in person. I was wondering um, if that would be it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think it's the one. You know, you've been looking forward to it for so long. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time reading. I've spent a, I've seen 2002s in person, mm-hmm. you know, um, watched videos on them. Right. You know, been an enthusiast um, about them for, enthusiastic about them for a long time. But here, you know, was an opportunity to go, you know, get Experience one, them. drive it, yeah, you know, see it in person. And there's just a lot of, a lot of that experience, you know, there's, you can visually look at things online, but, you know, yeah. hearing the sounds, the smells, like right. when I got in that thing, I was like, oh my God, this totally reminds me of my grandparents. Yeah. I, I didn't ask you, I didn't ask you at the time, but was there any nervousness that you'd get in and drive and be like, oh crap, I don't yes. really like this. Really. Yes. And kind of a never I honestly think moment. that was, well, I think that was like realistically, how I kind of got my wife to get on board with it. I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm very interested in doing this. I'm almost certain I'm going to do it, Mm -hmm. but I've never actually driven one of these. And she's like, we, we got to do that before we spend all this money. Yeah. um, So that was kind of helpful to, uh, you know, get her on board. Plus, Mm -hmm. you know, just in the year of a pandemic, that was kind of one of the one trips we took. So that was just kind of refreshing um and then you know i think it's one of the part pieces of the experiences you know as you're driving it you're like holy shit this really is actually from a different you know century yeah yeah and um and at first that's a little intimidating and you're like this is crazy i never driven a car that didn't have fuel injection (laughs) <laughs> i know it's like this is like taking my roto tiller <laughs> but um yeah so that was really fun i enjoyed that we had a good time out there you know after driving it we talked about a lot kind of debated if it was you know the right one the right move mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know going out talking with people about it seeing yeah. it in person kind of being able to verify all the things that were done to it mm-hmm. um, helped me become a lot more reassured. I mean, I, I suppose, 
you know, I could have ended up getting one on, on bring a trailer and right. taking the gamble and assuming like, well, it got bit up to the freaking you know, and it must be guys good. limit here. Assume it'll right. be good. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's not, you know, I just, I was very paranoid about this. So it was for, yeah. for myself seeing it, uh, getting that ability to test drive it, mm-hmm. have it checked out was just reassuring and made me feel a lot better about the whole purchase. So that's awesome. Yes, that was our experience. Yeah. Very nice. How about uh, you? Uh, I think it's a, I think you would have guessed this one. It has to be Road America for yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. Um, doing the high performance driving course, um, both level one and level two. Level two, especially um, getting, you know, a good amount of track time. What well, for me? Yeah. What is a good amount of track time on the full circuit? And yeah. seeing, you know, my RS is actually capable of, and and just how stratospheric its limits are. Um, yeah which is unbelievable because i remember you saying that you know like you're 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 coming down the main straight at you know whatever 140 and going into a a fairly tight for right hand turn one and getting hard on the brakes and there's no there's no fade over multiple laps from the carbon ceramics it you just shed speed and then it turns in beautifully. And then yeah. that kind of classic nine eleven feeling of coming out of the corner, just burying the throttle and it just sits That's and nuts. goes, you know, it, <laughs> it's it, awesome. And the sound of that engine, I mean, you know, I've, I've mm-hmm. said before on the podcast, you know, that that engine is an absolute like symphonic work of art, but you never really get to experience on the public road because I'm, yeah. I don't drive my car like a, like a jerk on a public road. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to ring it out and be doing a hundred, you know, <laughs> just so I can get through two gears to red line, you know? So yeah. for me, I, I hardly ever get the car up to 8,000, 8,500 RPMs where it, it really is screaming and, and really something special. And, and so seeing, seeing that aspect of my car really was, eye-opening rewarding it made me feel like you know i want to get better at driving i want to get better at at learning you know how to get around a racetrack um safely quickly it was just a phenomenal experience the instructors were you know by and large excellent um the people that were there you know were it's one of those things you go to when you have a hobby whether it's cars freaking magic the gathering what you know who cares yeah, whatever know. hobby yeah. it, when you're around other people that are super into that hobby like you are it's just fun you're just shooting you know shooting the shit about uh in different cars and and i'm kind of like take checking out the guy that brought the you know mustang shelby gt350r and he's checking out my car and like it, it's just fun it was so fun yeah it's like a part of that experience is also the people Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the cars are, the car experience was amazing, but having the, that experience with the people around you, everybody's there to get better and they enjoy cars and they want to get better at being able to enjoy them in an enthusiastic way, but safely. Um, it was, it was just phenomenal. So that was, I would love to do more of that in the future, but that was an easy, easy favorite, uh, experience for me for the year. So moving on to our next next uh, topic, 
the most exciting new car announcement of the year. This one, well, I honestly don't know what it's going to be for you. <laughs> I could, yeah. I'm it's assuming a little, it's going to be EV. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah. I, I think <laughs> for me, I was thought about this, and, and I think, you know, that's just because it falls where I'm, my interest is at least right now in, mm-hmm. in, in transportation. I think for me, it was the Rivian R1T. And mm-hmm. I think the reason for that is really just comes from, you know, we're finally seeing EVs manufactured in forms that actually a lot of people want to buy. Right. Um, yeah, especially in American trucks. Yeah, exactly. It will be practical, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think it's kind of cool to see Rivian, you know, talk about kind of the opposite of Tesla in a way, you know, they, mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense, kind of under promised it seems and over delivered these mm-hmm. the r1t was really well reviewed yeah. um by really a lot thoughtful of, use of all the extra space you yeah. get from an ev package yeah and so it's kind of cool to see another american company um you know the startup in the automotive industry so mm-hmm. far seeming to have some success at least with the groundwork of the product um, right did it put a damper at all for you seeing like this past week their announcement that their the the big battery pack isn't going to be available till twenty twenty three? It's an interesting, you know, it's something that we have debated. I mean, I I kind of having lived now with EVs for a couple of years or a few years, mm-hmm. um, our lifestyle and what we do would really benefit from a car with a range of three hundred miles. Mm-hmm. Um, cause then in that scenario, like my fear right now is that they are, it's great, right? I mean, more people are purchasing them. They're becoming more ubiquitous, but yeah, these aren't like normal gas stations. So mm-hmm. if you've got a massive EV with a 200 kilowatt freaking battery that pulled in, mm-hmm. that's a 50 kilowatt charger. And that's the only thing there you're screwed. I mean, right. It practically well, and doesn't they're exist going to be getting pretty, you, you know, they're going to be everywhere before too I think, long. I, I just saw the Ford Lightning uh, dealers are now throwing $30,000 dealer markups on their reservation slots. Yeah. Um, so because of demand. Yeah, exactly. And so I think what's going to happen, unfortunately, I think the it's not a chicken or egg thing. It's the mm-hmm. cars are going to be more ubiquitous than the charging. And mm-hmm. I, I really feel bad because that's going to really screw some people and frustrate some people mm-hmm. in certain scenarios. And so that's where if we can find a vehicle with 300 miles, at least mm-hmm. we can actually avoid charging to do just about everything we do um, yeah. within the state, you know, traveling up to the twin cities, traveling up North to cabin, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wouldn't even need to charge. Now these vehicles are really expensive. And mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't really want to be buying one every two or three years. Just yeah, it's not like what you, you have know, to do with infinitely. Your or yeah, yeah. And so, what I would like to do, um, just also kind of from like a sustainable, is buy something and drive it into the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Until like the a ten to twelve. Yeah, like a ten to twelve year ownership, and mm-hmm. that's where something like a four hundred, you know, mile max pack. Mm-hmm. Con- conceivably if it wore down over 
you know, 10 years, you still have quite the usable range. Right. And so if you're, if you're starting at 300 and that's kind of like your ideal, you know, maybe in six years, there's a lot more chargers, but mm-hmm. we've already owned our e-tron for whatever, three to three years going on three next year before there really yeah. hasn't been almost any new chargers at all. <laughs> so, right. I, know. I think in the, I think in, in the Midwest, that. it's really tough. It yeah. It's gonna be funny to see, you know, like, with battery degradation and, and the lifespan of these cars. Like, I don't know if you saw that thing about the guy in Finland or wherever it was. In oh yeah. That, 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 that basically just blew his <laughs> Tesla up. So like the, the battery that, the yeah. battery needed to be replaced and it was going to be like $20,000. And so it was literally cheaper for him just to demolish the car. Yeah. Then yeah. And buy a new one. It, it's just so it, that sort of stuff is, you know, where I think, at least currently ice cars have a advantage is like you fix a fuel pump there, you fix a, you know, a timing belt there. You it's kind of bits and bobs over time. Mm -hmm. Whereas like with an EV, yes, there's less moving parts. So less points of failure. Awesome. But all your eggs are in the battery basket. And when the battery goes, and you know, and that's kind of what's nice about the e-tron, it has modular, you know, Mm -hmm portions now i think Mm -hmm. that that if that affects like the size and capacity and maybe even the efficiency of the battery but Mm -hmm. it's easier to fix like the whole damn Mm -hmm. thing doesn't need to come out like like that guy's battery and so maybe in the future as let's say like grid operators look at these car batteries coming off and like okay so there's still 65 usable kilowatt hours in that pack we'll buy it for this amount Mm-hmm. We'll replace that module. Here's, you know, 10 grand toward that. Um, yeah. And so hopefully, like, that doesn't happen super often in the future. But if I was going to keep an EV for past the battery, you know, warranty, warranty. period, I would definitely get an extended warranty, especially early sure. days. Yeah. You know, 20 mm-hmm. years from now, maybe maybe that's like an afterthought because they're just so rock solid. I, I don't know. Right. But for now, with like you said, the, that price tag that goes along with replacing one, uh, you're, you're not going to want to pay that. I mean, no, I mean, and, you can basically gonna, put a nice down payment on a new vehicle that probably has even more no. range. So it, I mean, it's kind of nonsense. When Tesla comes out with the model two, whenever that is, and it, and you, you can get an EV for 30, 35 K new, and mm-hmm. then the battery is twenty thousand dollars to replace. Like financially, it's going to be a wash. You know, yeah. like the car is going to be worth less than the battery <laughs> pack. So yeah, it becomes so very disposable. You know, maybe so, it's you know maybe it's something an opportunity for automotive manufacturers to figure create out. a new revenue stream of saying mm-hmm. like, all right, pay us a thousand bucks or five hundred bucks mm-hmm. warranty your battery for another four years. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. fair enough. I'd just probably pay that mm-hmm. and then just say the rest of it. If a bearing, you know, if um, shocks go out or something, I'll mm-hmm. just pay for that, you know, right. out of pocket or something. So, yeah. But yeah. So anyways, so that's my um, most exciting car. And that's just because I've been paying attention to it for a couple of years. Um, yeah. You were excited to check it out. And, and they did well. Like it, it turned out that. It, yeah. The it reviews did well. have been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, pretty cool. How about for you? Unsurprisingly, I pretty much picked the opposite of 
yeah, <laughs> of, yeah. The, of that <laughs> no, car. Um, yeah. uh, so for one? me, it's the Cadillac CT5e Blackwing. Mm. Um, Very nice. Uh, that's a I, good choice. I think probably a lot of people were going to expect a GT4 RS to be my my yeah. pick, but um, huh. or the GT3 or something. But yeah, this this is to me the last of the kind of car I lusted after, and, and I still lust after. I mean, it's it's a rear wheel drive, front engine, V8, tons of power, and it has a stick, and you just. Yeah. You can't get that anywhere. It yeah. you can get you can get a stick M3, but that's a six cylinder. You can you can't get a you can't get a you know Mercedes doesn't make a manual V8 anymore. BMW doesn't make a manual V8 anymore. Uh, <laughs> Audi doesn't make a manual. They're all they're all dual clutch transmission cars. And so <laughs> this is truly the end of an era. Yeah, uh, and 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 Cadillac knew that. GM's engineers knew. This is going to be our our swan song for a type of enthusiast car that we love that the world no longer will have room for, really. I yeah. Mean, from an environmental standpoint, from so many others, you know, we know that sedan for passenger sedans are becoming kind of a thing of the past yeah. outside of the, the Accord or something like that. You know, most people are getting yeah. crossovers and and so a sports sedan is like, I mean, that's you're talking about probably single digit, yeah. you know, percentages of the marketplace. And so uh, I just, I love that they made this. I love that not, it seems like they pulled it off uh, from everything I've read and, and seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and out of all you the think cars. You'll get one? So that's the thing. Out of all the cars that we've talked about on the podcast this year, if there's one car that you said, you know, what do you want to buy as your daily driver? This would be it. Yeah. Um, and I think the problem is where we live, uh, you know, dailying a, a rear wheel drive, 600 horsepower <laughs> yeah. manual car is probably not realistic, even with snow tires. Uh, hmm. I mean, I could probably, I, I could probably do it, but there would probably be some touch and go moments. <laughs> there might um, be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do remember doing that in a, a, a GLI <laughs> front wheel. <laughs> it's yeah, not always yeah. great, you know, but yeah. you know, there's, there's room for us, you know, an SUV in that equation. Yeah. That maybe you could take on those days, you know, yeah, who knows? when it's really maybe it's doable. Yeah. I, I just, I love it. I, I yeah. will, I've, I've talked to my wife about it and she said, when the BMW dies, you know, she'd yeah. be open to looking at one because it Sweet. isn't a cheap, it isn't a cheap car, but uh, yeah. I, I think this is a what real, how tough it is to get a hold of one. Um, they have multiple deposits on them at the local Cadillac dealership. I know that because a friend of ours, uh, put a deposit down for one. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> and so I just, it is, you know, the things that I love about a car, the sound, a manual, I've only ever, my daily driver's always been a manual since I was 16. This thing has all the elements of that, you mm-hmm. know, and, and all the other amazing cars we talked about this year, whether it's the GT4 RS, the Corvette Z06, all these things, like, they don't all have, you know, all those characteristics. And this has it all. And it's can carry four adults comfortably. You know, I mean, it, it just, it's, 
it is the pinnacle of what I I love about cars and and what I see as uh, a kind of a vanishing thing. You know, we're yeah. as we move to EVs and and other sorts of things. So yeah. that that was it for me. Um, for sure, that's a great choice. So flipping flipping kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. What was your most disappointing new car of the year? Yeah, yeah, it's also an EV. Um, <laughs> for me, it's the the Hummer. Uh, you son just, of a bitch. <laughs> oh, is that what you, <laughs> you scooped me? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I think it's more just the effing absurdity of it. I mean, it's yeah. just a gonzo absurd car. And yeah, Leah to America, you know, to, I mean, I frankly, and I, I know this the, is the most wasteful car. example of what's supposed yes. to be an environmentally like, friendly car. Yeah. I don't even know who it impresses. I mean, I, I don't know those people. I mm-hmm. think it's I just kind of embarrassing. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, it's just, I don't know. Um, when, but, when you brute force mileage by just putting a horrifically large battery <laughs> that's in, just, in the thing. That's a great American solution to a problem. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I mean, uh, like, I can't even, I don't even think I could fit this effing thing in our garage. It's massive. Like, the, our single doors are probably not wide enough. Yeah. Um, As we mentioned be, on the last podcast, it's 9,000 pounds. I yeah. mean, it would probably yeah. break our driveway. Yeah, <laughs> driving well, on it. <laughs> I read an I read an interesting um, I read an interesting article about uh, not specifically the Hummer, but they were talking about how like some of the n- bad side effects of our kind of increasing addiction to crossovers and SUVs, uh, and they said that you know pedestrian deaths, even though automotive oh, yeah. deaths have yeah. gone down because cars are getting safer. Pedestrian deaths in the last X number of years, I forget how long it is, is up like 50%. And yeah. and it's and it's because and and the author and the actually size of trucks as well, you know. Right. Well the the author um and and I forget her name, but she took a picture of herself um standing in front of like a I think it was a Ford F250. Mm-hmm. And and she was an average sized woman. I think she was around 5556. Five, five, and her head, her forehead, just cleared the top of the grill. Yeah. So if you're in this big it's truck, just, you're you're yeah. not seeing a kid in a kid running out into the street if they're close to you. Yeah. You're not seeing a stroller. You know. I know you guys. I know you're a cyclist, but I just do yeah. not understand that when I'm I, you know driving around on back road highways yeah. uh, where we live. I'm just like you guys are. Well, it's that funny you mentioned that. I, <laughs> one of the reasons I stopped cycling as much and, and took to just running in my neighborhood and along the running paths is I I got too paranoid to ride on public roads. Yeah. I, the yeah. only place I would ride is on a bike path because mm-hmm. I I people are driving around in two and a half, three ton cars, looking on their yeah. cell phones, completely distracted. And yeah. It's yeah. just, it, it was, and I knew too many people that had gotten hurt. And yeah, exactly. It, it, real makes you, it makes you think with these monstrosities and this absurdity, like you talked about with, you know, power and mm-hmm. are we not, not necessarily like, you know, those of us who are enthusiasts about driving, mm-hmm. but who are, I, you know, would agree. Yes. I, 
I like power. It's fun to have that at your fingertips. I know I yeah. don't really need it. Am I sealing my own doom mm-hmm. by, you know, realizing that because we have these cars on the road, maybe it's more likely in the future that we do get some kind of legislation that basically says, hey, you know, you don't get to drive these things. I think we're going to I think we're going to have to, you know, some podcast, a number of podcasts ago, we talked about the Japanese government legislating horsepower limits yeah, um, because their cars were getting too fast. And uh, and a lot of young, particularly young males were killing themselves in street yeah. racing and all this sort of stuff. And well, I mean, and also this, just, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, well, in this in this scenario, a lot of these people are going that are buying these cars are going to have probably little to no experience with a performance car, and yet they're going to have a nine thousand pound car that does zero to sixty faster than my GT three RS. Well, and that's kind of where you that's know, crazy. Eventually we might end up kind of sealing our fate in terms of turning them into appliances. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. we gave you all something nice and fun, and enough of you couldn't handle it that now right. they're all autonomous. Right. You I mean, get it's, a steering wheel. You don't get a steering wheel with yeah. your car anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's, we'll, 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 be, we'll be the creators of our own downfall. That's for what sure. I mean. If, you know? if we're going to make, you know, what is essentially a, a freaking U haul size, you know, weighted, yeah. weighted truck that can do supercar numbers i mean a three second zero to 60 yeah it is five, insane five years, four or five years ago that was hypercar territory that's yeah. what Koenigsegg's were doing like it's in, it and now it like, it's it's democratization of speed in the worst possible way you know it, yeah. it, that, that idea used to be celebrated like hey you know you can get a camaro that's fast or a corvette that's fast and it's cheaper than a italian car german car yay like this is amazing you know, but this has taken to a really perverse extreme, and and I think that's why, for me, and I, and it sounds like for you, this is actually a very the most disappointing car. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a Frankenstein monstrosity. It's I awful. I totally agree. I totally agree. Oh, yeah. Well, looking forward to something more positive. Um, what is the car you're most looking forward to next year? You know, that's a good question. I mean, coming out or actually, announced. Yeah, it's actually kind of boring, I think. And it more just has to do with, like, it's a car I'm going to actually purchase. Sure. And so I'm just paying a lot of attention to it right now. Mm-hmm. Our e-tron lease is going to be up in um, January of 2023. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting timing. It it does sound like Audi's going to come out with an updated e-tron, which will probably be somewhere around 300 miles range, which actually doesn't doesn't seem like an um, impossibility because I know like they've said somewhere like 379 miles, but that's on the European scale, mm-hmm. the world light truck testing or whatever it is, the WLTP. And mm-hmm. um, that, that tests everything better than like what it actually gets. Sure. So the, the EPA is r- usually it's pretty accurate. I mean, in our e-tron, it's pretty much like dead on. We get about mm-hmm. 200 miles in that. Yeah. Uh, not as much in, in these kind of temperatures when it's, you know, yeah. 10 a.m. and 21 below. But, degrees, yeah. Yeah. But, well, uh, what, I mean, but still, a 50% bump in your potential range is that's significant. A big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's for us going up to the Twin Cities, that takes off, um, takes off the map, the need to charge. Like, yeah. 
it's really ideal your folks cabin yeah mm-hmm. in the summer we can now we with our current one we could get up there and get back mm-hmm. but we just have to be kind of conscientious right and with 300 miles of range you can kind of go up right. in all weather conditions do some driving around and then get back and not not worry about around mm-hmm. and that's really helpful or um mm-hmm. you know my parents have a cabin and further up in northern minnesota and with that kind of range we could do that drive and not need to charge until we got up to the cabin they have a mm-hmm. level two charger up there so we can just charge it back up overnight so nice so that's exciting um you know it's still on this kind of hybrid platform where um it's not super optimized for like it's not like specifically designed for the ground up for an ev Mm-hmm. That apparently comes with the, what they're going to rebrand the Etron Q8 in mm-hmm. 2026. Mm-hmm. So that will probably actually, interestingly, um, I think it was this the ID4, which is mm-hmm. kind of the same as the Etron Q4, mm-hmm. has almost as much storage space as our Etron inside of it. Oh, really? And so, yeah, oh, like uh, my brother-in-law's ID4 did did seem quite spacious. Yeah, and and so when you build on a dedicated EV platform, you can usually increase a lot of interior room. And right. so I think the Etron Q8 is actually going to be like a sizable vehicle. It'll, mm-hmm. my guess is it'll be very close to the size of an Atlas because mm-hmm. Volkswagen is going to have an ID8. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have an ID6 that I think is going to be exclusive to China, mm-hmm. and it's kind of annoyed by that like why don't why don't we get the bigger oh, suv nice well middle ground yeah they're gonna have an even bigger suv yeah and uh, that for might the united states for you guys yeah yeah and so that's kind of what comes down for us is we'd love to have a vehicle where we could put a kid or two kids in and big dogs in the back and right. we can't do that with the current e-tron mm-hmm. and so that's kind of where i'm waiting to see uh how this you know 300 mile range uh, Rivian R1S does because we mm-hmm. we have a deposit on one of those, mm-hmm. and I I got an uh, an email last week that I would fall somewhere in the first half of 2023 for delivery of that. But mm-hmm. um, you know, so let's say that gets you know three fifteen three thirty mm-hmm. mileage and you know good conditions. That probably be worth waiting. Yeah, and getting something like that because then we're in that situation where that thing's big enough. It's basically what people have wanted in this country from the beginning, like a decent sized SUV where all the crap can go in for a, right. a journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm also I'm kind of like tied between those vehicles mm-hmm. in terms of what I'm kind of excited about because I'm going to need to buy one of those. Um, yeah, within the next year. So sweet man. Yeah, yeah. I like that. How about you? Um, this is, this is a tough one because my first thought when I was thinking about this was the 992 GT3 RS, mm-hmm. but that, that would be an assumption on my part that it's going to be announced, uh, and released mm-hmm. this coming year, which based on Porsche's kind of how they release models, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but given that it has nothing official has been announced, um, I yeah. went with the Corvette Z06. Oh yeah. Nice. Um, that's a good choice. Because... Again, it's kind of that theme of like, I'm seeing the age of the cars that the kind of cars that I get excited about past, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is another one of those kind of holdovers that 
granted there's no manual but it's a you know mid-engine flat plane crank v8 that sounds like it sounds like any of the great ferraris you want to talk about yeah um v8 ferraris and and at a price point that is we've talked a lot about how like you know there's not a ton of sports cars that you know a young person who's into cars could kind of like look at as like one day if i work hard and save maybe i could get that you know yeah. and, and this is one of those i think you know that is true. at the end of the day it's a corvette they're going to make as many as they can sell and so you know i i love you know assuming this thing doesn't fall apart <laughs> uh yeah. because from you know the vibrations of that engine I, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be one hell of a thing and so cool. uh it's guys. you know nothing fancy about it it's just it sounds like it sounds like an amazing car and it's naturally aspirated which very few high-end fat you know really yeah. cars are um and what's the pricing on those out of curiosity um i think you're looking at uh gosh i want to say like 85 to 100 um let me see let's see and i suppose right now there's probably a nice wait list yeah so msrp is going on with yeah msrp is expected to be eighty five thousand before options um so probably around a hundred thousand with like the options you want um and yeah there's already like a multi-year waiting list (laughs) yeah uh unsurprisingly but GM is probably going to make these until the Zio, you know, until the the C9 comes out. <laughs> They're just going to yeah. sell, you know. It's it's the difference. It's it's what makes Corvette a Corvette and a 911 a 911. Like, yeah. you know, the old saying is Porsche makes you know one less GT3 RS than they can sell, whereas GM will make 100 more Z06s than they can sell. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But. That, you know, but none of that takes away from the fact that it's it's going to be an yeah, amazing an awesome car. car. That platform is phenomenal. Uh, GM has you know one of the best suspensions in the business with their Magna Ride um, mm-hmm. suspension. So very exciting. And kind of circling back to to our first question when we talked about the most exciting car experience of the year for you, what car related thing or experience are you most looking forward to in this coming year? Yeah, so I think for me, again, it's going to go back to the 2002. So I got mm-hmm. that over the summer, and then it you know, was down down there for whatever it was, a month, two months. Yeah. Got it up here, basically, and then, you know, the distributor came loose, and so we had to get it all retimed. Um, mm-hmm. And so I really didn't have a ton of time to spend with it. And yeah. one of the things in my mind that I basically envision using that car for was like kind of like the odds and ends errands that I'll run on a Saturday sure. or Sunday morning before everybody's yeah. awake morning, you know, going on. Yes, exactly. Going to get mm-hmm. donuts, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. then also uh, just the commute to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some, there are times where I can, you know, get this car downtown to work without battling traffic, you know, mm-hmm. like, monster trucks and stuff and so on some of those days were kind of the you know clouds align and it's a nice Mm -hmm. weather day and i'm on the right hours so that i'm basically like off hours from heavy traffic yeah you get really else and home before everybody else yeah yeah. Yeah. i'm really excited to take that in and i have this 
in my mind like it'll be a lot of fun but then i also yeah. kind of wonder <laughs> if it'll actually just be stressful <laughs> like when's it gonna start <laughs> right, know, right, right do i need to call alex to help me uh, roll yeah. him down out of the ramp <laughs> you, i think i think you need to build trust with the car a little bit and then yeah i think so yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so let it start consistently five six seven yeah. times in a row and then, then yeah feel a little bit better about it yeah not flood yeah. it <laughs> getting getting to actually enjoy that car in some good weather. Um, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Like I'm super stoked for that. That'll be a really fun event next year uh, awesome. for me. Yeah. How about be... you? So mine is actually not necessarily me, but uh, my wife. I've ah, yeah. Been in negotiations. This makes sense. And uh, my so you know we've talked for a while about getting my wife a fun car. Because, you know, she has an SUV. She's not an SUV person at all. Uh, She likes it for what it is. But, you know, it's not fun to drive. It's comfortable. It's nice. But it's not fun. So I have my my fun car, obviously. Yeah, it's utilitarian. And so we talked about, you know, we'll get you a fun car one of these days. And she finally has agreed to let me get her a fun car. And so when we were talking about what you know what she was interested yeah, in yeah. he finally decided on an air-cooled 911 the house of 911 yeah the house of 911 <laughs> uh well and it's awesome i mean air-cooled obviously you know the air-cooled versus water-cooled debate and in, in the porsche community is pretty overblown i think but um yeah it'll be cool to have an example of kind of the the latest high-tech yeah. Uh, liquid cooled 911 and then having an old classic air cooled 911 which has a distinctive sound and you know characteristics to it um and so we're gonna start starting in probably around march i'm gonna be scouring the um cars.com and auto trader classic yeah. and all the different websites and stuff trying to find Do you one. think you'll end up on bring a trailer no they're yeah. i they're too so uh, yeah, I, I I'm gonna approach it the same way you did the 2002. Like I w- I'm not willing to go. I'm not willing to buy a car sight unseen. I yeah. just am not. Uh, I mean, I I had to with my my 911 because it was the height of the pandemic, and I and I it's a little different, buy. right? You know, even with the Tycon, like we're kind of like ordering these things. They're under well, a yeah. warranty. Well, yeah, here's escape hatches to get stuff, you know, right. Like I was buying a 2019 car with like 3000 miles on it. It's not going to have anything wrong with it. And I sent it to get a pre and even then I sent it for a PPI to a very reputable Porsche shop. But, you know, I, for a car that is presumably going to be from like the probably the mid to early eighties, I'm going to want to go see, does it have rust? Does it have, yeah. You know, does it run well? Does it seem like the timing's off? Does it seem like it misfires and all? You, you know? know, yeah. And and I think I remember um, you and I sent, I can't remember what it was. Was it like P cars or P-car marketplace? Yeah, that's it. You know, there mm-hmm. did seem to be some examples of those cars that weren't gonzo expensive. Yeah, no, um, I found I found a few out in L.A., um, there's a, a dealer out there that does a lot of kind of classic 911s mm-hmm. and they had some that were very reasonably priced for where the market is right now, which is 
not saying a lot. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, fair enough. But uh, yeah, I, I think you know, I'm excited to begin the hunt again. Like I, cool. I actually really yeah. enjoyed the the process of trying to find my car, and so I've gotten the go ahead from my wife to, Sweet. you know, like I said, probably around March. You know, because ideally I'd like to get it, you know, in the early summer so that she has time to enjoy it. Yeah. That's so, awesome, man. That'll, so be, that'll be fun. Add really fun, yeah. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Uh, Where are you gonna put that car? Ah, uh, that's a very good. Figure question. that out later. <laughs> but yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So yeah, interestingly, yeah. so I haven't looked into this, but uh I have heard that there's a kind of a car storage facility with like a country club kind of vibe going okay. in here in town. So I'm going to look at see when that's supposed to happen and what the pricing is. Other than that, I've I've I know of a couple potential storage options. um, Because you know, I I I don't want one of the cars just sitting outside in the winter. Like I don't want the the, because it would probably be either my car or Emily's SUV. SUV. Yeah, and I don't really. I don't really want either car to have to sit outside in the winter. Um, yeah. So, and, and I got to build have... my shed. I gotta yeah, build you got to build your then. shed. But until then, <laughs> I'll have to find a storage option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But we should have time to figure that out. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, well, anything else you want to add, man? No, I think that's a good wrap-up, good summary of the year. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, it has been kind of a wild year for everybody. Uh, So thanks for hanging in there with us and listening. And uh, we'll be back next week with some more automotive news. There's, I still have some kind of fun stuff to recap from uh, when I was down in Florida last week, but we wanted to do kind of a a fun wrap up uh, uh, in the meantime, uh, since it is the end of the year, start of the new year. So thank you all so much. Uh, In the meantime, Follow us on Instagram at the Blofeld Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and rate us uh, on wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, etc. And we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.